Hello and welcome to the Mindful Belly Don't Eat Your Feelings podcast. This is your host, Ellie Rome. So are you someone who struggles with food cravings or emotional eating? Are you confused about what actually is healthy for you? Or are you struggling to actually make being healthy work into your life? Then this is the podcast for you. I'm a certified holistic health and weight loss coach and former sugar addict binge eater here to give you practical tools and health tips that you can start implementing now to lose weight, have more energy, and truly transform your relationship with food. Hey y'all, so this is episode four. I'm so excited. All right, so today I really want to dive into one of my favorite topics, which is sugar. So this was such a huge game changer. This is probably the main reason I became a coach was because I was such a bad sugar addict and this being able to get off sugar was life changing. And I don't use the word addict lightly. So pretty much all of my childhood decisions were based on sugar. Like, am I going to get sugar? Am I doing swim team? Cause we're going to get sugar after I swim a lap and sit under the tent and just eat candy all day. Sure. I'll do swim team. And then, Ella, do you want to go to Harry's baseball game? And then I'd ask, is there going to be a concession stand? Yeah? Okay, sure. I'd love to go. This is always in my mind. And there's so many stories when I was little. I think I mentioned this in my intro episode of just me being found in friends' pantries, eating like their Rice Krispie treats and going crazy because my mom didn't buy a lot of that junk food. And so when I got the opportunity to eat it, I would go nuts. I used to wake up in the middle of the night when I was little and go sneak cough drops, Luden's cough drops, the cherry ones. Luckily, they didn't have a lot of menthol or a lot of like the, any of the actual medicine in them because I probably would have overdosed because I literally would just go sit in my sister's bathroom and eat them. And my family thinks it's hilarious now, but that was, it was real. Like I could not get enough. And it happened, started at such a young age. One story I was, um, me and my friend at age six, his name was James. James, if you're listening, um, what's up? Um, you probably remember this. We got in so much trouble. So we went to, we used to go to our, this, our neighbor's house, Miss Terry. Cause she used to give us fruit roll-ups. So that was a big deal. So I was always wanting to go to Miss Terry's house. Um, one day we went over there and she wasn't home and it was like crushing life crushing because my sugar dragon was like, Oh my gosh, was expecting a free roll up. So what did we do? We walked in the house anyways, the door was open, went in the pantry, started eating the fruit roll ups and we were caught by her husband. He came out of the bathroom. He was showering and we got in so much trouble. And so this was just, this is, I mean, I could go on and on. I've got stories for days about me overeating and sugar. And so honestly, I have zero judgment when it comes to this because I think I've, I've been in such a mess place with that. So, um, but I think I've mentioned this before too, like our mess is our message. And I don't think I'd been able to coach nearly as be as strong of a coach if I hadn't been such a bad addict. And cause I understand, I understand that it can feel completely uncontrollable and it can feel like it'll never end, but being able to get off of it. Like I know now that there is a light because I didn't think it was possible either. And now I help people do the same and it's awesome. 
when to be able to help somebody through that because it, it I know it can be really really daunting and it doesn't have to be hard though so today what I want to do is I'm a wellness speaker so I give wellness presentations and one of my favorite ones is the kick the sugar habit talk and I'm gonna break it into a couple parts for podcast episodes because there's just a lot to cover and for this episode I really want to cover the why so how sugar affects our body what's happening why do we gain weight on it why do we get so hooked why is our energy you know makes us feel like crap or why is it driving disease and fatigue and diabetes I want you to understand what is happening in the body so that it is motivation I believe knowledge is motivation I it's not everything, but that's why part two is really implementation because I know that we can be loaded with information and great that great motivation for like a week or two and then we fall back into old patterns a lot of the times. So I want to empower you with the information, but then next episode really give you implementation tools like how do I get off sugar in a way that isn't going to have you feeling deprived. This is what I work with my clients in and a way that's really sustainable and things I wish I would have known. Um, I wish I would have known that health coaches were a thing six years ago when I was going through it because it was tough doing it alone. And I made massive mistakes that, but I think it was a blessing in, in disguise or, you know, in retrospect, because now I can, I know the mistakes so I can help, you know, you prevent them. And yeah, so let's get started. I'm going to go through um, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm going to share my screen so you can see the presentation slides. But if you're on the podcast, no worries. They're really just, you don't need the slides to understand. Um, but if you're a visual learner, you may want to hop onto the YouTube video and you can see the notes and read. Okay, so here we go. Let me pull it up really fast. They're nothing special, but I'm excited to share this with you. Okay, kick the sugar habit. So I told you a little bit about me, my issues. I was having horrible ADHD, brain fog, fatigue, and started gaining lots of weight. So I gained 30 pounds in college and I was doing everything that we were preached at to do. I was told to go just exercise, move more. Here's some prescriptions for your symptoms that you're having. Um, here is, or, you know, I was trying to count calories. I was trying to restrict myself and eventually that would work for like a day, maybe if I was lucky, um, maybe a week. And then I would end up just binging, falling back into my sugar addiction. I would wake up in a bed full of Hershey wrappers and it was just never, it was not sustainable for me. It is most of my clients have done many, uh, yo-yo diets and they just do not work long-term. And I'm going to, you're going to understand why by the end of this podcast, hopefully why um, these counting calories and things like that just don't work. And exercising our way out of an unhealthy diet is not the way for most of us. It doesn't, it just doesn't work. And if it did work, you know, then why do we have an obesity epidemic in six month old babies, six month old babies? And, you know, should they just eat less and move more? Do they need to just hit the treadmills? No, something has entered our environment that has caused obesity to have more than doubled since the 1980s. The percent of children in the US with obesity has more than tripled since the 1970s. More than one third of American adults are obese. 
So one in three people that you see are obese. This does not just mean overweight. This is obese. Like that's insane. One in three. One in three children in the U.S. are overweight or obese. And this is really mind-boggling because I remember even when I was a child, like there was there was only a handful of kids that were overweight and rarely were someone obese when I was in school. And I'm sure that was even less prior. I mean, I'm not that – well, that wasn't that long ago. That was in the early 90s. So just that it's gone up this much, one in three children – our overweight or obese is mind-blowing. It's projected that in just 15 years, 50% of Americans will be obese. One in every two people will be obese. And let's talk to diabetes. So in the last 30 years, diabetes has quadrupled. One of every two American adults has prediabetes or type 2 diabetes. One of every two that's 50% of people have prediabetes or type 2 diabetes. And according to Dr. Mark Hyman, most people don't even know that they do. And one in four kids has prediabetes or type 2 diabetes. That's insane because type 2 diabetes used to be called adult onset diabetes. And now it's becoming so prevalent in children. One in four kids has prediabetes or type 2 diabetes. And even that, so those statistics, that's hardly everyone who has issues with insulin though. Okay, so insulin resistance happens, it's basically like pre-pre-diabetes, that happens well before a diabetes diagnosis. That happens, can happen years, even decades, even before pre-diabetes. So the thing is though, the, the good thing is that it is 100% preventable and it's reversible in most cases. So that's what we're going to dive into. That's what we're going to be learning about today. Okay. So what has happened? What flooded our environment in the last 30 years that has caused this dramatic rise? The answer, if you haven't guessed it already, it's sugar. What happened? Okay. So in the 1970s, there was this heart disease. Heart disease was on the rise and it was mistakenly deemed that fat was the culprit. So what happened? The government mandated that fat needed to be pulled from food, that they had to reduce the fat content in food. So the food manufacturers had to respond, but then their food tasted like cardboard. So what did they do? They loaded it with sugar to make it taste good. And simultaneously, so at, during the 1970s, there was also the creation of high fructose corn syrup in Japan. And the reason this was so bad was because, not because high fructose corn syrup is it's basically the same thing as sugar. It's a glucose and a fructose molecule. It breaks down the body like refined sugar. So the reason it was bad was because it was so cheap to produce. So they started being able to put it into everything. And that's what's completely backfired on our health. So sugar is one of the biggest drivers of heart disease, which is the number one killer of men and women in the United States of high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, dementia, Alzheimer's, they're now terming that as, one th as type 3 diabetes. Cancer, one-third of cancers are fueled, they're insulin-fueled cancers, which are fueled by sugar. So that includes breast cancer and colon cancer. Things like polycystic ovarian syndrome, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, that wasn't even a thing before the 1980s. Liver disease was 
fueled by alcohol. Now it is so many cases of it, or they're not alcohol related, they're sugar related. And low libido, chronic fatigue, things that we don't even think about, acne, infertility. And the problem is, is that we have all these symptoms and we go to the doctor and what happens? We're just handed prescriptions for, you know, high blood pressure. Oh, here's some blood pressure medication. My dad was put on it. You know, I know tons of my clients are on blood pressure medication when they come to me and we get them off. My dad is off <laughs> and, um, and high cholesterol. The, we get statins, which are approved. That's a whole nother topic that I'm going to cover, but yeah, we're just handed statins for high cholesterol or insulin for type two diabetes, which I'm going to talk about and all sorts of things. Um, and, or like for me, for the chronic fatigue, what was I given? Adderall. And it's, that's where the problem lies. It's that we're, we've got all these symptoms, we're handed prescriptions and not dealing with the root cause, which is what is on the end of your fork. And so I really want to dive in and help you understand how sugar, why it makes us gain weight, why it's driving this obesity epidemic and the diabetes and how it plays on our energy. And yeah, so let's go. <laughs> I want you to understand so that you can make it fuels your motivation. Okay. So we're going to start with the blood sugar roller coaster. Products containing a lot of sugar and carbs typically don't contain a lot of fat, fiber, and protein. So what happens is we eat these simple carbs and they spike our blood sugar. So we eat them, blood sugar spikes like to the top of this roller coaster. And then what happens? Well, high blood sugar is toxic to the body. So the body produces a hormone called insulin. And insulin's job is to take the sugar from the blood and deliver it to our cells. Okay, well, we get these huge surges of sugar. We get these huge surges of insulin. And what happens? Our blood sugar doesn't come down to balance. It comes way down, like to the bottom of the roller coaster. And that's when you may experience a sugar crash, which is like, for most people I know, is like that irritable, tired, cranky, just like not feeling hot, um, spaced out, maybe brain fog, and it's just uncomfortable. And what do we crave at the bottom of a sugar crash? More sugar, so more carbs, because we want that energy and we eat it and we spike our blood sugar, therefore we spike our insulin, and then we, insulin pulls our sugar down and we, crash again. And so it's these energy crashes all day long. We're craving and crashing all day long. And it's just our body trying to find balance. And this is why we, we start eating it and we quite literally can't stop. And so there's a little more to this story. Okay. So insulin is our fat storage hormone. When insulin is sent out, it takes that excess sugar from the blood and it can deliver it into mainly one of three places. So your liver, your muscles, and your fat cells. And as I mentioned, well, your liver, your muscles are very limited storage. So everything else is being stored as fat. Again, insulin is our fat storage hormone. So sugar, we're eating sugar, we're storing it as fat. And then what happens is over time, you're eating, if you're eating sugar a lot or eating a lot of refined carbs over time, you're getting these huge insulin spikes all the time and your body stops responding. It basically becomes tolerant to insulin signaling. So you have to produce more and more sugar to get the blood, to get the sugar out of the blood. 
and into your fat cell, fat cells. So not only is it just that you're like not hearing the insulin signaling because it's you're constantly being exposed to it, but it's also that you've got so much sugar already stored in that your body's like, no, we don't need any more. Like, please stop giving it to us. And so the insulin that you're giving isn't enough. So it's like, you've got to produce more and more insulin to force the sugar into the cells. Okay. And so I love this. Um, there's a suitcase analogy I want to share with you from Dr. Jason Fung. He's an incredible expert on diabetes and um, he's an expert on um, like ketogenic and and intermittent fasting therapies for diabetes and things like that. And he's just great at explaining stuff. So check his videos out if you're interested. Jason, Dr. Jason Fung, and he shares this suitcase analogy. And basically what it, think about it as like, we can handle some sugar. Like, so sugar inherently isn't bad. It's excess sugar that's so toxic. Okay, so we've got this, if you have a suitcase and it's empty. Okay, so we can pack some clothes in, no problem. We're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. We get to the point where it's at the top. And it's like, okay, uh, got to start pushing the clothes down to get more clothes in. So that pushing, that excess force, we can think of as insulin. So we've got the sugar is fine for a while. We can handle it. And then all of a sudden you get to this point and your body has to start producing more and more insulin to push the sugar into the cells. And then eventually you get to a point where you can't do it yourself. You, you're holding the clothes down and you're trying to pack more clothes in. And what do we do? At that point, we get high blood sugar. So clothes are like flowing out. <laughs> and, and what do we do? We get insulin shots. We get it. We get, you know, alternative forms of insulin outside the body, injecting insulin to get extra force to push the sugar into the cell. So in this analogy, you can think of it as like recruiting friends. You got to get friends to help you push all these clothes down, some extra sets of hands and to force the suitcase closed so that you can zip it. Well, that's basically what's happening in the body. It's not, it's excess carbohydrates. We become basically carbohydrate intolerant and we've just got too much in the blood and we can't handle it. So we've got to produce more and more insulin to get the sugar from the blood into the cells. And eventually we get to a point we can't produce enough. So we have to get insulin shots. And this is, causes inflammation. If you can imagine like that suitcase is bursting at the seams, it's like your cells, your body is telling you like, I can't handle anymore, but you're forcing it in. That causes inflammation throughout the body. This causes, I mean, inflammation is the driver of all chronic disease. And this is why with diabetes, eventually it gets to the point where people are experiencing neuropathy. They end up having to get their feet amputated or they go blind and it's carbohydrate toxicity, essentially. Your body is screaming out, please, no more sugar. Like, we cannot handle it. Okay. And obesity isn't too many calories. It's hormonal dysregulation. And that's what I really want to explain. Okay. So it's not, oh, you're lazy and you're tired and you're, you're eating too much. It's hormonal. Hormones are driving that behavior. So I'm, I'll explain that. Okay. So we're insulin resistant. When our body's not responding to insulin, we've got these high insulin levels. Our, as I mentioned, insulin is our fat storage hormone. So it tells the body, take the like, store fat, store fat, store fat. Do not touch the fat stores. Like we've got, basically we've got available energy here. So don't touch the fat stores. And so when insulin is present, you can't access your fat. 
So you may think you maybe have tons of energy stores, but you're not able to tap into it. And so um, you're eating sugar, you're storing this fat. So that's part one. Now I'm going to introduce the next hormone that plays into this. It's called leptin. And there's tons of hormones that play into this, but these are some of the essential mechanisms that are happening. Okay, so leptin is our satiety hormone. So leptin is found in our fat cells. And when we, if you're a healthy individual, you eat a meal, your fat cells fill up with leptin, it gets to a certain point, it signals to the, that strength of the leptin signal signals to the brain. The brain sees the leptin and it tells it, okay, we've got enough food, we're full. So brain says, okay, great, I'm going to decrease your hunger hormone. So you're no longer hungry, you're satisfied. I'm going to rev up your metabolism so you can start burning this energy that you've got. And so then between meals, you're burning through your fats, burning through that energy that you've accumulated from the meal prior, and the leptin goes down. And then you get your brain, once that leptin signal goes down enough, your brain sees that and is like, okay, we're done here. So it or no, it goes down enough so the brain sees like, oh, we're hungry, or like, we need more energy, we need more leptin, we need more, we need more fat um, energy, so I'm gonna rev up your hunger hormones so that you go find food, and we're going to slow down your metabolism so that you conserve energy until you do find food. Okay, so then what happens is you get hungry, and you go find food, you eat, you fill your leptin back up, leptin signals to the brain, hey, I'm full, brain so, um, turns off your hunger, revs up your metabolism, and the cycle goes on. That's a normal, healthy human. Well, what happens with obesity, when, when you've got tons of fat, you should be like, oh, I've got tons of leptin. I should never be hungry. But what happens is that when we've got tons of leptin, two things, leptin, you know, your body's seeing, your brain's seeing leptin all the time. So it stops, it starts kind of ignoring the signal. And and it's not responding as well. And then the other thing is insulin, when you've got high insulin levels, it blocks leptin signaling. So even if you've got tons of leptin, your brain can't see it. So your brain, your brain, you've got tons of leptin, so you think that your brain would be like, okay, I'm just full all the time and I'm gonna burn this off. I'm gonna rev up my, my metabolism so I burn this because it's available energy. But you can't see it. You can't see leptin, so your brain thinks that you are starving. So your brain's looking at you, where's the food, where's the food? It's revving up your hunger hormone so that you go find food, so you're feeling hungry all the time, and it's slowing your metabolism, making you feel lethargic, making you feel tired because it wants to conserve energy until you find that food. If you were a starving person, from an evolutionary standpoint, would, you, would your brain want you to go run a marathon? No, it's going to be like, go find food, like rev up your hunger, conserve as much energy as possible so you can make it to that next meal. And so the, it's not, we need to eat less and move more, which we are preached. If you were a starving person, is that what you would tell a starving person? Just go eat less and move more? No, that drives more hormonal dysregulation because what are you doing? Your brain already thinks you're starving. So then you just are eating less. You're slowing your metabolism down even more. And then you're burning all the energy you have. So you, what is that? That just makes you hungrier. And so it doesn't work long-term. And so what we, let me, so what we've got to do is 
you know, release the eat less, move more. We've got to fix this hormonal dysregulation. We've got to get that insulin down so our leptin can be seen. We've got to get insulin down so that we can access our fat stores and start burning it because when insulin's high, you can't burn your fat and, and eating things that keep insulin down so that we're not storing it all as fat. So let me quick recap. Here's the cycle. So we eat sugar and carbs over time. We get high blood sugar. We get high insulin levels. Eventually we become insulin resistant. Basically our body is, is unable to hear our insulin signal. So we have to produce more and more insulin to get the blood sugar out of the blood. And this high insulin, we get so higher and higher insulin. Then that high insulin puts us in that fat storage mode. So we literally just storing everything as fat not able to burn it. This is block that high insulin blocks our leptin. So we're, our brain thinks that we're starving and we're hungry and tired all the time. We've got a slow metabolism. And since we're hungry and tired and we're in this blood sugar roller coaster, so we're craving carbs all the time. So we're just reinforcing it and it's just this perpetual cycle. And that's why it feels like we get so stuck and it feels it's not because you're lazy and you're, you lack willpower. It's your hormones are not functioning properly and they're driving the behavior of feeling hungry and tired all the time. And I remember this. I remember, I told my mom, I think I was like 22. And I remember telling my mom, I was like, I don't, I've never feel full. Like I never feel mentally satiated from food. I would feel physically full. Like my belly is about to burst, but I would never feel that like satiation. Like I've gotten enough. And it wasn't until I got off sugar that I felt that for the first time. And I didn't know that was a thing that you could feel. And so that was so powerful. Oh, wow. I can actually, like, I'm not hungry. Oh, I'm not actually craving this. Like that's, I'm not even thinking about it. Like I didn't know that was possible. And so that's a, in the next episode, I'm really going to dive into the, the how to do it and um, tips for you. But um, I'm going to continue really quick here with the, explanation of the why what's happening in the body so an example here if you've ever eaten chinese food i love this example this is from dr sarah hallberg she has an amazing amazing ted talk definitely listen to it you can find it on youtube sarah hallberg okay and she talks about like like when you eat chinese food what happens there's a couple things that typically happen you end up overeating and then in an hour you're hungry again so what's happening well it's got tons of white rice so you get this huge blood sugar spike spikes our insulin. We get this big insulin spike, which is, makes us hungry. Insulin makes us hungry. And we end up overeating. We're not getting the satiation signals because we're not seeing the leptin. We get these high insulin levels where we end up overeating and then we crash. We get a high insulin spike, high blood sugar spike, then a blood sugar crash. And in an hour, we're hungry again. And it leads, puts us directly into fat storage and more cravings. So that's just the example you may be able to relate to if you ever had a really carby Chinese food meal. I know I have. Um, and this is just, again, reiterating to not focus so much on calories in equals calories out. I need to count my calories because guess what? A calorie is not a calorie. 160 calories worth of almonds coming with a healthy dose of fiber, which fiber helps slow the digestion, which slows the insulin response. 
and it helps keep, cause it keeps our blood sugar levels from spiking. So we don't get a huge surge of insulin and then the crash. So we've got this healthy dose of fiber with the almonds, the protein helps balance our blood sugar. And compared to 160 calories worth of soda, which are absorbed straight into the liver, this causes a sugar rush and we get the immediate conversion of sugar into liver fat, which is like the most toxic fat and promotes more insulin resistance and inflammation in the body. And drinking the soda promotes that toxic cycle of the hormonal dysfunction, more cravings, more fat storage, the hunger, the lethargy. So both options are maybe 160 calories, but they create dramatically different reactions to the body. So we need to focus on nutrient density and not so much calories, really focusing on, especially if you've got insulin resistance, if you're pre-diabetic, diabetic, to really pay attention to your carbohydrate intake. And to reiterate again, I'm not just talking about sugar, candy, and um, you know, soda. I'm talking about refined carbs, which includes things like pretzels and bagels and pasta and oatmeal. And so many packaged foods, if you see anything that says fat for your low fat, like extra alert to look at the sugar grams because they're very likely to add a bunch of chemicals or sugar to make it taste better. Um, things like goldfish, Cheez-Its, like just because it's not sweet doesn't mean it doesn't respond, it doesn't spike your blood sugar. So that's what you really got to pay attention to. Um, look for extra fiber, look for extra protein. And again, next episode, I'm going to be diving into that. The really the strategies to getting off. So I, Recap, sugar puts us on the blood sugar roller coaster, leading to energy spikes and crashes all day long and carb cravings. It puts us into fat storage mode. So we eat the sugar, we get a high insulin, and then we're not being able to burn our fat. And it puts us in the pseudo starvation state. Our bodies think, our brains think that we're starving because we can't see the leptin signal because our insulin's high. And we can't access our fat stores for energy. So we're literally eating hand to mouth for energy and we're hungry and tired all the time. So, yep. So that's, I hope you all, that makes sense. And again, sugar is not necessarily bad, but excess sugar is toxic. And we, as humans, I mean, we've gone from eating 22 teaspoons a year on average to 22 teaspoons a day. So we've just got to watch our sugar, watch our carbs, definitely um, pay attention and be mindful and start checking your labels. And one more thing, because I really, I think this is so powerful. I mean, it's just like the current medical paradigm is to give more insulin as the solution for diabetes and blood sugar regulation. Like, oh, you've got high blood sugar. Let's just give you insulin. Like that's not solving the problem. Um, I love, so Dr. Jason Fung also gives this amazing analogy about the kitchen. So if you've got a ton of trash in the kitchen and you want a clean kitchen, then what do you do? You don't take that trash and then put it in the closet or you, you take the trash and you put it in the closet, you put it under the rug, you put it in your bedroom and you just keep getting more and more trash and you just keep putting it in other places of the house because the, you want the kitchen to be clean. Cause then what happens? Well, cool. The kitchen's clean, but the whole house stinks. Well, that's kind of the, what the advice has been for, for blood sugar. So there's been this such focus on, okay, well, we got to get the sugar down in the blood 
but we're sacrificing the rest of the body by using insulin to do it. Because what are we doing? Okay, cool, the sugar's out of the blood. Oh yeah, blood sugar looks great. But what are we doing? We're shoving it into other places in the body. And this is, as I mentioned earlier, why we people are getting neuropathy and have so much inflammation and type three diabetes or the dementia and blindness. It's because we're shoving it in other places. The, the whole body's stinking up, but cool. The blood sugar looks great. Like that's not the answer. The answer isn't to hide the sugar in other places. The answer is to get the sugar out. This is carbohydrate toxicity. This is sugar toxicity. And so how do we do that? We've got to get our blood sugar down. We've got to get our insulin down. How do we do that? We've got to pay attention to our intake. And we're going to dive into that in episode five. So stay tuned. I hope this was helpful. I hope you have a better understanding of what's going on in the body. And I know it can be overwhelming at times to think like, oh my gosh, I have to give up sugar. And you don't. It doesn't have to be hard. And again, this is why working with a coach can make it so much easier. Like I wish that I would have known so I would have or had a coach through it. So I would have avoided so many mistakes and been able to have that support system because you don't have to do this alone. And it's, there's no shame in getting help. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we feel. It's like, oh, we should be able to do this alone. Like I should be able to handle this. I should be able to like, let the shoulds go because you probably got so much stuff happening in your life. And stress is a huge driver of, of sugar consumption and convenient items. And, you know, I'm sure that you don't have tons of time to go research everything and know exactly what products to buy and, and simple swaps. And there's so many tricks and tips that you may not know if you've never done it. And so to take the stress off of you and to take the effort out by working with somebody and having that support and accountability to actually follow through for yourself. So if you need help, I am here for you. Or if you just have questions, if any of this doesn't make sense, or if you are a practitioner listening to this and you know, you've got info to share with me, that'd be helpful. Like I would love that anything. Um, I want to be better as a coach. I want to be better um, explaining this stuff to you. So if you have any questions or if I was confusing in any way, please reach out and let me know so I can be continue to grow and be better for you guys. So I love you all. Let me know if you need help. DM me on Instagram at mindfulbelly, M-I-N-D-F-U-L-B-E-L-L-I-E, or um, email me at mindfulbelly at gmail.com anytime. I'm here for you. And until episode five, I'll see you next time. Bye. Yeah.